Behind every good story is an interesting person. This is Person of Interest with Q102's Jeff Thomas. More and more movies and television shows are choosing to film their productions in Cincinnati over Hollywood. Why? This week's Person of Interest has a lot to do with why. She is the executive director of Film Cincinnati. She and this nonprofit organization are responsible for attracting and facilitating filmmakers from all over the world, providing a huge boost to our local economy. So you're about to hear how she does it, why she does it, and how she plans to keep that spotlight on the tri-state. Kristen Schlotman is this week's person of interest. The Greater Cincinnati Northern Kentucky Film Commission, <laughs> a.k.a. Film Cincinnati, what is it and what do you do? We are a 501c3 not-for-profit whose mission is to attract, promote, and cultivate film and video production in Greater Cincinnati area because of the economic development and workforce development that we create on the community. In other words, that means real dollars and cents in the pockets of the merchants and the people who live here and people who work here. Yes. I mean, in a nutshell, it's creating jobs for locals and it's having a huge economic impact here on our community in many other um, ways. So how do you attract that business? How do you get Hollywood producers to come here of all places. It used to be difficult, but it's not as difficult anymore because the secret's out. But I think what's important to learn about the film industry right now is it used to be 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago when you and I first met, the loudest voice on a motion picture set was likely the director. And it was all about what the film was going to look like and, and who the actors were that we were going to have create this film. Whereas cut to today, the loudest voice and the person that I work closest with is the producer. It's now about the business deal. It's about getting more production value up on the screen uh, for every dollar that you have to spend. And with Hollywood having so many limited budgets and where Hollywood's sweet spot right now is really somewhere between, you know, the eight to 15 million dollar movie, not the 30 to 60. It's it's a, a smaller uh, budget. It's really seeing how much money and what makes the most sense for that production. So that's why films now chase incentive packages either within different U.S. states or all around the world. Incentives are what, what is driving this business, and that's where producers are looking to do business first. So Ohio and Kentucky were the 42nd and 43rd states to adopt motion picture incentives. But one of the things I think we did uh, very well was we saw what was working in some states and what completely wasn't working in other states. And we grew a program thoughtfully, um, in a way that we could keep up with supply and demand. So first, it's the incentives that are driving the business. And so what I like to do as a film commission is let producers and filmmakers know exactly what they can get here in Cincinnati for their dollar. And that includes everything from incredible locations and diverse um, types of architecture to infrastructure with the largest equipment supplier in the Midwest and the camera department and this incredibly talented crew base that we have here. Um, one of the, not just crew, the technical people behind the film, but also we have talent here. And one of my favorite things to share with people is the movie Carol. I don't know if you remember that with Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara. Right. Of that film, everyone in that movie, aside from seven people, were local. Every single person. And I think when you have an Oscar-nominated uh, film like that, that shows just how much talent was both in front and behind the camera, that's what's driving this business now. And by the way, we yeah. benefit from Carol shooting in Cincinnati 
because they're buying hotel rooms, they're renting homes, they're eating at our restaurants. Sure. And, and you know, we might only shoot a, a major motion picture for nine weeks when we're actually rolling film. But you've got to understand that they're in town three to four months ahead of that, spending money, prepping. This is pre-production. They're hiring people. They're renting office space. They're renting furniture. They're renting rental cars. Yeah. You know, one thing that's happened just since Carol is Enterprise Rent-A-Car now has a movie division. Oh, no they have kidding. a whole separate division just for motion pictures. Here locally. Here locally. Wow. Yeah. Why are the benefits better in Cincinnati than they are in Hollywood where they supposedly at one time used to make movies? I would think it would be cheaper to shoot a movie on their own studio backlot than to do location filming elsewhere. Well, if they are shooting on the backlot, um, which is a, a studio soundstage space, uh, the rent for those spaces in Hollywood right now is through the roof because everyone has gone on location. So they're looking to make up for that rental space. And those numbers are not worthwhile to uh, filmmakers that could get practical locations for less somewhere else. And if they're coming to Cincinnati and they're hiring mostly locals, they're not putting those people up. They're not traveling them in. They're essentially bringing you know, the script and perhaps a director and some A-list talent, and they're getting everything else local. Because so, all the equipment is rented out of here. Out of here. All the cameras, all the lights, uh, the microphones, the, it's everything. all right out of Cincinnati. Yep. And the crew, are all locals, which is fascinating. Like, how did we get so many talented people qualified to work in the movie industry, and they all live around here? You know, Cincinnati had a long run of uh, commercial work in town with all these Fortune 5 and 100 companies in town. So we had freelancers that understood costumes and hair and makeup or food styling or whatnot. But uh, when we started building this motion picture infrastructure, people started joining the local 209, the IOTC union, and started getting their motion picture resume built up. And those people then not, not just left Cincinnati when the movie left, they stayed here. They, they rented homes, they bought homes. And what we're seeing now is talent moving to Cincinnati because this industry exists here. Hmm. For example, We have a world-renowned cinematographer who just moved here after the film The Public shot. He loves Cincinnati so much. Wow. His kids were at the Waldorf School in New York City. He found out we had a Waldorf here in Marymount. Mm -hmm. Packed up his wife and his two kids from Brooklyn, and they now live in Madisonville. No kidding. Uh, Right here. Um, But that's happened more and more often. Uh, You know, when, when a location manager comes to town on a project and says, you know what, I think I might stay here. It's a great quality of life. I can afford the. There's a booming industry. And so our bench is not just grown internally, but we're also finding people that want to move to the area because of this business. But all of this is contingent upon whether or not the state of Ohio or Kentucky agrees to provide these incentives. Uh, Absolutely. And I don't think you can do that if you can't show a return on investment. And we're able to do that. The first year we had this program when you were talking about the Ides of March, we had $10 million to give away as a state. And of that $10 million, only five could go per project, $5 million, no more than $5 million per project. So we had that film, The Ides of March. Uh, 50% of that was shot in greater Cincinnati. And then we had another film. I don't even remember, <laughs> know if you remember this. It was like a Val Kilmer movie called Seven Below, uh, shot out in Goshen. Those are two films that we had here in greater Cincinnati. And then there was a film up in Cleveland. Well, in that first year, we showed for every dollar the state invested in this, in this program, we showed a dollar twenty coming back, so we had a twenty percent return, and there was no formula or, or um, estimate. What what the state of Ohio does is you turn in your books to an outside auditor; they see exactly what you spent, and then they offer that tax credit back on those eligible expenditures that Ohio determines is good business. We don't rebate everything 
Ohio is very strict on what we think is important for industry here and what we don't think. Mm. And so a 20% return, the state said, this is good business. It was completely supported on both sides of the aisle. And they said, well, if we take it to 20 million, what do you think you can do? When we took it to 20 million for Cincinnati, I went back to, I knew what we did well in the 80s and 90s. And that was a period New York. So I tried to get my hands on those scripts that were period New York. And that's when we um, were able to attract Carol. That was uh, also the year of the Miles Davis movie, Miles Ahead, which was right. 60s and 70s New York. We did another film called The Blunder, which was 1950s New York as well. And those projects started coming in and that word of mouth started happening that Cincinnati not only has a great incentive program for the state, but they actually have some really talented people to support this work in there. And what happened then is that they didn't just come for one movie. Every single person that has come to Greater Cincinnati to shoot a movie in the last eight years has come back for a second, third film. So it's wild? now repeat business. But what we're showing, to your point, is if this, if this goes away, what we're showing now, for every dollar invested in this program, $2.01. Doubling their money. So we're doubling their money, and legislators are recognizing that. We're not like hiring companies to do studies that don't show this. This is directly in their books. They're given, the state of Ohio is given the audit upon completion of the production. So we can see exactly where that money is going into our state. Let's uh, just run down the list of some of the bigger movies that have filmed here. You know, the first of which I remember dating back to the 80s is Rain Man. That's probably the most famous because it was one of the first, right? Sure. That was 1987. And that was the reason the Film Commission was founded in 1987 by Lori Holiday because she was asked to take, um, I believe it was Mark Johnson, some producers around that were scouting Ohio and they wanted to look at Cincinnati for this film. And there was the inception of the Greater Cincinnati Film Commission and since then, and then we were incorporated in 91, but Rain Man was one of the first. But remember in the, in the late 80s and 90s, we did, we did period New York, other than Rain Man, but we did Rage in Harlem, yeah. Lost in Yonkers, right. Eight Men Out. So we started seeing what, you know, this great Italianate architecture in OTR, what it looked like and, and you know, showing that we could do a, a better period New York than New York could do. And uh, since then, some of the bigger films, Ides of March with George sure. Clooney, which we mentioned at the top. Carol was incredible for us because that was here in its entirety. And that was Killer Films that produced that film. And Killer has since been back to do five major motions, motion pictures since then, including Goat, The Blunder, Mercy that shot last year with um, Kate Mara and Ellen Page. Um, Marauders was one with Bruce Willis, Christopher Mar Maloney. Yeah, we've done, we've done a lot of action Which, movies. by the way, I thought Cincinnati looked awesome. I mean, I know it was kind of a dark movie and it was very cloudy and it seemed to rain every day in every shot, but I just thought it made us look cool. And I think of The Killing of the Sacred Deer, which... As weird a movie as that was, made Cincinnati look stunning from the Covington it was side. Such a great film. I mean, I know whether you like Yorgos Lanthimos or his style of films, that was such a great project for all of us here in Cincinnati because here we are working with a world-renowned filmmaker who's brought in some first-class talent, and you know, and they're looking to us. What do you guys think? Where do you think we could we could do this? And the only reason I was able to anchor that motion picture here is because. Uh, the producer of that film was a great friend of someone on Carol and they were in London and they said, Yorgos wants to do his, his first domestic U S domestic film, English speaking film uh, in the U S where should we go? And they said, you should call Kristen in Cincinnati. We loved it there. And that's how I got that call. But after the call, then I had to come up with a hospital that we were, that we could take over for a month and a half. And that's, that's the challenge. 
But I look at what we've been able to do. We took over the Joint and Spine Center. Which a really good friend of mine had surgery there. And it's during beautiful. During our film? No, not oh, during gosh. the film. But <laughs> I, I just remember thinking, like, this is such a, be- this is the nicest, most beautiful. These are the nicest rooms I've ever seen. are they amazing? Televisions. And it had this spectacular view of downtown. But in the movie, The Killing of the Sacred Deer, he does an amazing job at making it feel very sort of sterile in a creepy kind of way, doesn't he? Yeah. But the reason I knew about the Joint and Spine Center is that it was Christmas two years ago. and My husband was yelling for me to call 911 because his back was totally out. And we spent Christmas in the Joint and Spine Center at Christ oh, wow. Hospital. And I didn't want to go back home. You know, we had all these flat screens and great. Right. I mean, it was like it was like having room it's service. It's a nice place. Yeah. <laughs> someone else had to watch my kids. So that was my first introduction to that building. But what we were able to sort of work out with the leadership at Christ was that because it was such a new facility, mm. they had not yet reached um, 50 they weren't yet to 50% occupancy. They had just opened. Oh. And the agreement was if we could get that film in and out of there. Uh, before November um, rolled around, then we could probably um, the film could make a deal with the hospital. And the, and I and I kept saying, why are we a hard out in November? Well, you you quickly learn that joint and spine surgeries, a lot of them are elective, and at the end of the year you have your flex spending to con- to finish spending, right. your, and that's their busy time. Okay. So if we could compact um, the patients to two floors, they would allow us to use the other two floors, and we had a hard out by then. But what the hospital also did was they rented beds and linens and equipment and all of that stuff that we would normally on a movie set go out and buy or purchase or rent. They they spent that money there with Christ. So Christ was now renting them uniforms and, and linens and towels and equipment and heart. Uh, heart monitoring equipment that, that heart thing. surgery that opens the film right Christ Hospital which is what because they don't even do heart surgery in that part of the hospital no. do they yeah no, but they but we worked with um, Dean Kariakis who I don't know if you know Dr. Kariakis up there and and many of the doctors up there became consultants on the film so yeah. Colin Farrell had an idea of what it, what it was truly like to be a heart surgeon and again using these doctors hiring utilizing exactly. local talent yeah If I'm a producer, if I'm a director and I come to you and I say, sell me on Cincinnati. Well, I mean, I'll tailor it to what I think your needs are at the moment. Um, You know, what we like to what what we like to consider ourselves is a one stop shop for all things filmmaking in greater Cincinnati. And we want to support you from your very first interest or we can even ignite that first interest all the way through the distribution of your film. And if you feel completely supported by this community um, then we know you're going to come back. And that's where I think we've been successful in the repeat business. Um, but, you know, if, if a director is landing, I feel like it's service. I think that is where we shine the most. And service by making sure we are there at the airport to meet them, to greet them, to check them into their hotel, to be answering questions and be present the whole time. And, you know, if I don't know the answer, chances are, after doing this in 20 years in Cincinnati, I'll find someone that knows the answer. And so it's just having that network of community that also is like-minded and wants this business here and knows how to problem solve. I mean, that's kind of what I love about the film industry, We're yeah. solving and problems. Do you physically drive them around and show them different neighborhoods based on the type of scene they want to shoot? Absolutely. And, and I'd prefer to be the one to drive them around because... You know, you even plan that drive, even though the script does not call for a, a deco train station. I'm going to certainly pass Union Terminal to see if that 
triggers something inside them that makes them react to something. Yeah. Um, but you want to thoughtfully uh, be there so that you can, and then if they turn out and they say, you know what, this isn't what I was thinking, but you can start listening to them and seeing what their perception and what their interpretation of the locations and the script they read, uh, if it's different from yours, you can start adapting quickly and say, oh, you know what? Maybe you were thinking more of federal style house. I know of a great red brick one over on Edwards Road in Hyde Park. Let's run over there. You know, it's just problem solving. I started to build up to like what out of all the films that have been made here, maybe even a TV show, like what in your opinion has showcased the city the best? It, It just depends if we're playing Cincinnati for Cincinnati. Yes. I look at Carol and what we were able to do on Carol and create Cincinnati to be this beautiful period New York and then take them on their road trip and go all across the country right here in Cincinnati. Right. I mean, that, that to me was showing our range of architecture and locations and um, versatility of control. I mean, we're shutting down byways and highways and getting things done quickly and tunnels. I mean, it, it was an ambitious project that I thought we as a city supported in no other way. And I don't think that film would have been su- as successful anywhere else. And I'll bet they get a lot more cooperation from Cincinnatians than they're ever going to get from people who live in LA or people who live in New York, because these are such dense, crowded cities with so many people. It might feel like more of an inconvenience. Whereas here, we just seem so happy to have them. But I think that's not coincidence. I, I think it's because we've done it a bit differently. Like if you look at New York and LA, a lot of times the reason people aren't embracing it there if they're um, a local person is because there's, they're constantly surprised by it. It's like, I can't get down the street, they're shooting something, no one told me. Or I'm now in a traffic jam and no one told me. And we have, granted we're a smaller sized city than, than both of those I mentioned, but we've always operated with transparency. And you know sometimes we have to convince the filmmaker that says, you know what, we need people to know Bruce Willis is going to jump off this bridge today and we are going to be on the waterfront. And because of that, we might have more crowd control work to do, but no one's going to go across a suspension bridge upset or no one's going to, because if we can operate in full transparency and make the community take ownership to these projects, then I think they're going to be more likely to want to do it in the future. We're going to take a quick break right here, but when we come back more from Kristen Schlotman, what led her to this line of work? How directors like Emilio Estevez and others have made Cincinnati their new home. And we'll ask her what's on the show business horizon for Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky as Person of Interest continues. We'll be back with more Person of Interest in a moment. And now... Person of Interest with Q102's Jeff Thomas continues. Welcome back to Person of Interest. We're talking with Kristen Schlotman, who is the Executive Director of Film Cincinnati, also known as the Greater Cincinnati Northern Kentucky Film Commission, which is responsible for attracting and facilitating filmmakers from all over the world to produce movies, television shows, commercials, you name it right here in the tri-state. She's going to share how directors like Emilio Estevez and others have made Cincinnati their new home, what's on the show business horizon for Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky. But first, how did she even get into this line of work? You started with the Film Commission as an intern in 1997. Yes. What drew you to this line of work? Um, I think the problem solving of it all. I mean, I... I majored in uh, public relations and, and minored in theater in Miami. And I never, I, I knew I didn't 
really want to um, work in public relations, but I did think having some kind of communications degree would be interesting. It's funny because you're so good at it. I feel like public relations is a huge part maybe, of your job. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm using it every day and I don't really even know it. But what I love about, I mean, I came back to Cincinnati. I was doing radio in North Carolina. I came home because my parents got divorced after 25 years. And they were children again. You know, she stopped eating. He started drinking. We were, somebody had to come home and take care of the kids. And uh, a week after being in Cincinnati, I said, I have to do something. I have to volunteer somewhere. I have to do something. And I looked in the yellow pages for film and I found this office and they interviewed me three times to be a volunteer, but I called it an internship Uh to sound like I was still. Uh And I I literally was their uh, mover from Vine Street to Main Street. But what, excited me about it 20 years ago and what still excites me about it today is the process of filmmaking i i don't my husband will tell you i don't see a lot of movies um and and one would think that you know i do this because i love movies i love the process of filmmaking i love um reading something and and playing the game of telephone with the 50 people on that crew to see if the message is going to get all the way down and if it's channeled and if we all interpreted it similar or you know what comes out different i just think that entire process of communication and uh, creativity is exciting to me and the fact that i love cincinnati so much makes that process so enjoyable i mean if i can expose them to a great bank vault that they never knew was here or um you know a high school that has the perfect football field i get excited about that stuff and that's the stuff that jazzes me i mean I don't know. And every day is different in my work. I mean, here I am today doing a podcast, but every day is different. I don't know what tomorrow looks like until the rest of the day unravels. And I think that's still what keeps me enthusiastic about it. In your time, have you seen more and more women in decision-making roles in the film industry? In in my time, I've certainly made an effort to make sure that um, I'm doing that. And we could just talk about what's happened in the last year. But if I look back at the last five or 10 years, of just building the bench here in Cincinnati. Um, I've, I mean, we're, we're fairly equal on that uh, with our freelancers. If you look down the list of men to women, I think we need more minorities there. And I think we need to see women also um, come up on the producer side of it. But here in greater Cincinnati, we've been really lucky about that. But, you know, it takes people to be thoughtful about it. You can't just assume people know the importance of inclusion. So um, I take that very seriously. And, I think we're seeing a change here. I wish we'd see it more um, in Los Angeles. I don't see it as much there, but I think now that it's such a prevalent discussion and conversation, you know, and it's, it's now a movement. Hopefully we'll see that result in the next two years as well. What's your favorite film festival to go to every year? Anyone that has a Cincinnati movie. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, uh, I've been lucky to do some festivals and the only reason we've had a presence at those festivals was because Cincinnati movies were premiering there and we wanted people to know that this happened here and this was successful because of us and you should do your next project. I remember we went to Sundance a couple years ago. Uh, I think it was two years ago and we had five major motion pictures from Cincinnati premiering at Sundance and that was epic. Uh, But we came back with an additional, um, I think it was seven scripts from Sundance and that was incredible. I mean, Mm. and, and just the fact that we had this open house and we had a, we had a Cincinnati presence where filmmakers could come and stop by our house at any time. And when John Robert came with us and he was cooking nonstop for anyone that wanted to pop in, 
it just gave us a venue to talk about Cincinnati incentives, talent, infrastructure, and it worked for us. So I, I loved that. That was incredible. Um, I've never, I'd never been to the south of France, um, but we went to Cannes because we were invited by the Killing of the Sacred Deer filmmakers. And we wanted to do that to not only show our support and appreciation for them, but they also hosted a small event with us while we were there and allow and introduced us to their colleagues, which was really great. And uh, I, I, another project is soon to be slated because of that trip. So, but Cannes was incredible. I mean, that was, uh, I was a, a fish out of water there. Stunning. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's very fancy. And if you know yeah. anything about me, I am comfortable in a black vest and a pair of jeans. That is my uniform to put on black tie and walk a red carpet with people yelling my name and I'm not famous and there's no reason why I should stop for a photo. Right. But I, I even made the mistake of saying that one time. I'm like, no, no, I'm not famous. And they go, mademoiselle, we do not care. Turn around. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Oh <laughs> you just learn to just stop and smile That's a minute great. and hope your mom gets to see a picture now and then. Yeah, right. <laughs> but that was that was really incredible. Um, you know, so these are great networking opportunities. They're really great well. networking opportunities. Uh, you know, I don't know if you know this, but we just went to Santa Barbara at the end of January, beginning of February, because the film The Public. Uh, that was shot in Greater Cincinnati last year by Emilio Estevez. Uh, that was the opening night film of that festival. And I had not heard of the Santa Barbara Film Festival, but what I uh, came to learn very quickly is it's not a distribution or acquisition festival. It's really a festival that occurs after Sundance where most of the films that are nominated for awards stop and screen. So William Defoe was there. And you know you had all of these great people that had been um, nominated that were coming to speak and share. And apparently that's the same um, area where Emilio had a lot of friends when he was in the wine business making wine and it was important to him to support that film festival. So when he sent it in and got asked to do opening night, which opened for 2,500 people, I, th I said to our team, I said, this is someplace we, w we should have a presence because Cincinnati is going to be opening the entire festival. And it was so amazing. I mean, just everything from the fact that, you know, his words on the stage that night that said we could not have done this without Film Cincinnati and the Film Commission in Greater Cincinnati. And um, to see the, the appreciation that he had for us, both in the credits, but in his words. And then you had 2,500 people standing on their feet at the end of that film applauding a Cincinnati made about Cincinnati movie was was pretty incredible also you brought up emilio estevez when did he, he just first called, by the way while we're doing oh did he really <laughs> yeah. what does he want take the call because <laughs> the first time i had a chance to meet emilio was thanks to you when they were screening the way which he starred in with his father martin sheen which is one of my favorite movies of all time but they screened it at the kenwood theater and since then, I feel like every now and then I either see him or I run into him. Has he committed to Cincinnati on a more long-term basis? I love this story. And people don't know this story. They're like, why are Kristen and Emilio such good friends? And how did this happen? Well, the very first call I received as the acting executive director at the Film Commission when they were doing a national search for Lori Holiday's replacement was Emilio Estevez. And it was on my voicemail. Uh, I... I must have been away from my desk or something. And I come back and it's like, you know, the old answering machines where you're like playing it. And I'm like, I call my mom. I'm like, this, this job is so cool. Like, listen, <laughs> listen to the kind of people that are calling me. I'm like, I knew who that was. I love seeing almost fired. I was like, this is hilarious. So I, I played it for my whole family. Yeah. He knows this story now. Emilio knows this story now, but I was laughing. And, and what he was calling about at the time 
was he had a script called Johnny Longshot, which was a harness racing story. And he wanted to sort of get an update on the harness tracks in and around Ohio and Kentucky and to know what was still, you know, as a working track and what wasn't. And could I put together um, a photo package for him so he could get familiar with the region? And a lot of people think he was born here. He was not. His father was born in Dayton. His mother was actually born in Cincinnati in a home for unwed mothers hmm. and then was quickly moved um, once up to Cleveland and then down to Sellersville, Kentucky. And his mother and father met in New York City and had their children in New York City. So Amelia was born in New York and raised in uh, California. So he really had no tie other than maybe a couple visits here to see an an aunt or an uncle or a relative, or a, a relative. Yeah. and then his brother certainly has had a tremendous affinity for the Reds and has come in town quite a bit for that. But he had no anchorage here in Cincinnati. But from that first phone call, I stayed in touch with him, and I, I remember we went and we shot all these harness tracks. And this is back before we even had digital photography. I had to print out all my things and tape them in folders and then FedEx them to Los Angeles. And at one point he came in for, no, he had not come in for a scout. We just sent all the photos out there and then we didn't hear from him. And then it was funny. I ended up doing a film commission fundraiser. Um, we did one fundraiser a year. And because I had his contact information, I called him and asked for a donation for the fundraiser. Hmm. I said, do you have anything that could help me raise money? All I've done for him at this point is my job, sent him photographs. But um, two weeks later, I got a box and in this box was hockey skates signed by Emilio Estevez. And I was like, oh, those are kind of cool. So I put those in the auction. Don't think anything of it. Cut to uh, The Way. We've, we've continued to stay in touch, but he had not been to town. And I heard that The Way was screening up in Dayton at the art center up there. And I thought, gosh, he's so close. He's going to be up there. I'm just, I'll just go up and, and I've never met him in person. I've just been in touch with him in the last eight years by phone or email or whatever. So I show up there. I break into the reception in the art center and everyone looks the same. And I realize it's like a family Estevez distant cousin party. Oh, wow. And everybody's there. And, and uh, you crashed the party. I crashed the family party. And I just stood on the outside for a while. And then when it looked like he had a moment, I walked up to him and I said, I'm Kristen. You've been emailing with me for the last eight years about this movie, Johnny Longshot. I want to know what's what's ever come of that. Can we still shoot that in Cincinnati? And um, while you're out showing the way, is there any way we could show it in Cincinnati? And he said, well, this is, you know, well, this is done through our distribution partners and this is a, a bus tour and it's already sort of predetermined by our publicist. Um, but, you know, I'll talk to dad and, and I'll see if we could maybe so I said, okay, well, it's a, it's a pleasure to meet you, and I'm sorry. And he's like, you're not staying for the movie? And I'm like, no, I just came to talk to you. <laughs> I didn't even stay for the movie. How bad is that? Oh, wow. I left. Yeah. And I got a call a couple days later uh, and said, you know what? They were going to close out. They were going to add one more stop on their trip. They were going to stop in Cincinnati, show it at the Esquire, and then he and his son would stay a couple days to see what I had in mind for the Johnny Longshot script. And his dad was going to go ahead and fly back from here. So that's the first time I spent three or four days with them. And we scouted uh, for that movie. And that went very, very well. And then they came back and scouted another time. Um, but what happened in the, in the process of that was Ohio's gambling laws had changed. And what Ohio is now evolving into was the Racino 
So up in Lebanon, the old harness track was now going to be the Miami race scene. Oh, gotcha. So this would have an impact on... And and it happened also um, down at uh, River Downs. They were under construction and shut down for a long time to do that. And then the Red Mile, we went down there. I mean, basically... He just didn't think it was the right time if everything was going to be under construction. Yeah. But we stayed in touch. And I said, look, if you're not going to do this film, do you have any other films in your slate? Because now we had a rapport and he thought we were working really hard on his behalf. And he's, you know, and he loved his couple visits to Cincinnati. And I said, if there's anything else, can I take a look at it? And that's when he sent me the film, The Public. He said, this is a movie I want to do at the Los Angeles County Library, but, you know, you can read it. And so I read it. And I scouted it and I sent him now a website because now we're doing digital photography. And I said, here's how I see it in Cincinnati. And I'd certainly love the, the opportunity, but I understand if this is better suited in Los Angeles. So he put an application in for our tax program at the time, was approved. And then at that moment said, all right, well, I'm going to rewrite this for Cincinnati um, because the dollars and cents of it made more sense for him to do it here than in his own backyard. Right. But guess what happened when he was um, scouting the Los Angeles library that he wanted to use? The um, library director said, you know, we had a situation with filming here in the library and I'm not sure we want to do this again. And guess what show it was that that sort of screwed things up? Was it the OJ show? No, no. It, it was um, a Martin show. Um the West Wing? The West Wing oh, no was kidding. the last show that had shot in the library, and they had left it in a bad place. Oh, and so, they had a bad experience. And then that. Amelia goes, wouldn't you know? Wouldn't you oh, know? Oh, his own dad my screwed dad it up. Screwed wow. Up. Yeah. But, um, but I thought it made more sense anyway. It's about uh, homeless people that take over the library when a cold front comes through. And I just feel like that's so much more believable in the Midwest than in Southern California. In a city like Cincinnati. Yeah. Does it actually take place in the city of Cincinnati in the movie, or is it some nondescript Midwestern town? Nope. Uh, By now, he's been in and out of town a a great deal while he was developing and rewriting that. He rewrote that script to be completely set in Cincinnati with everything proper. I mean, it's almost, if you're from Cincinnati, you'll laugh a little bit because he's talking about, why don't we grab a beat, uh, a a bite to eat in OTR and my wife, my ex-wife got the house in Mount Adams and you know, all of these great things. Local references. Right. And uh, if you're local, you're like, wow, he's really, he's really ticking the boxes. But if you're not local, it just sounds like normal dialogue, dialogue, but no, he, he, and most of it was filmed at the Cincinnati downtown public library, right? Correct. And if you know anything about shooting in a library, you can't keep the public from their information. So you can't shut down the library. So a lot of that was night shooting, um, which was a, a grueling schedule, but um, it, you know what? It's still a lot of local people tell me it was one of the best experiences of their life because they had a director that trusted them. Even though I'm a Cincinnatian, he trusted me, and he, you know, he 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 now calls Cincinnati his home. This is where he hangs his hat. He wants to live here. He wants to make movies here. He's become a great friend of my husband's, which has been great because while I'm trying to get the scripts out of it, you know, he's got a guy to go barbecue or shoot pool with. Yeah. Um, he, he's become uh, a, a really important and valuable friend to our local industry. And uh, he's helped us raise awareness both in Columbus, you know, when we're going for enhancing of these motion picture incentives, but he's also happy to tell 
people in Los Angeles about Cincinnati, and he's been a great voice box for us on the West Coast as well. You know, when we first met and you were trying to attract major motion pictures or even reality shows to the greater Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky area, this was before Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon were were producing original programming. How has that changed the landscape for us, if if at all? Um, you know, it, it it will change the landscape. I mean, it hasn't changed it here in Cincinnati yet, but that's the kind of project I want to attract because you look at Netflix and Amazon and it's no longer an hour and a half major motion picture. We're talking about a 13 hour movie that people are binge watching and calling it a series, a streaming series, right? But it's really a 13 or 14 hour movie and that's long content. And if I can anchor Amazon or Netflix here, then we have eight months of continuous work for locals. And those are the things that then spawn these, you know, sound stages for continuity and they build infrastructure and people are required to go purchase more and more equipment or more picture cars or more trucks or whatever. And this is the stuff that that people then start um, growing their own businesses around this industry here. Um, and that's what I'd like to anchor. We we do have um, some series now that have applied for the motion picture tax credit for the state of Ohio and television series, television series in mm. effective September 28th last year, 2017 television series will take priority in our queue and will be considered over movies first because it's longer work and more economic impact for this. I was just going to ask you, I mean, do you have a major motion picture movie division? Do you do reality shows and television commercials? And do you have someone for each division? No, I do them all. And because it's doing something similar for each one, whether they're just because their project is different, you know, I would do the same work I do for uh, a Cincinnati Bell commercial that I would do for um, a Todd Haynes film. You know, it's it's the same work and, and our office supports them in the same way. The difference with the tax incentive is for the state of Ohio, you have to have at least $300,000 in your budget to apply for tax credits. Yeah. Um, so some of the smaller industrial videos or man on the street reality things that happen around here don't apply for that incentive. We would still support them in the same way. But we'd probably identify non-union crew to work on those because they're not looking for the same unions. Um, but we'd still help them with their permits, help them with their process, scout their locations. We don't have we don't have a floor in our support. We'll support anyone, and we want to see this um, industry grow from the ground up. For example, University of Cincinnati just started their four-year film degree program in the fall of last year. It's the oh, first great. time we have a four-year film. You think that was impacted by the work you guys are doing? I, I, I hope so. I, I've worked on that for a long time. I can't take credit for it. I've been working with professors over there to see if there's a way to sort of harness all these silos on campus and create some kind of filmmaking program. Yeah. And then what I've been responsible for is getting the um, students to get course credit for interning on the motion pictures or projects so that they are not just giving up their time, but they're actually getting course credit for firsthand experience. But what I think we're seeing now is we're not just attracting talent to the area. We're going to retain young talent. And so if those students are graduating and need to make, you know, their thesis film or their first short film, I want to make sure that they have the same support that a $300 million movie has and that they understand, you know, and respect the process here that they do need a permit, that they do need safety measures, that they do need those things. So then they're getting trained in this 
and they continue to live and work here. And this continues to be a film friendly community. In the past, whenever I ask you, I say, so what do we have coming up? You know, what, uh, what big movies, you know, what big movie stars will be coming to Cincinnati? <laughs> we have any TV and shows? I always go, ah. you, you all, you, you hold your cards very close to the vest. What can you tell us? Well, because I up? know that you reach a lot of people. Yes. Yes. And I know if I say, uh, George Clooney's coming in town on his next project. And then all you have to do is see what his production company is, Smokehouse Pictures. And then all of a sudden, all of the people in our industry start emailing them, sending them headshots, audition tapes. Right. They start flooding them with things before they ever even have their LLC registered with the Secretary of State for the state of Ohio. And suddenly they become disenchanted with all the work we've created for them. You're you just know. trying to manage the uh, the onslaught of interest. I, I, try, I try and manage Which it. is a good problem to have. For, for them uh, and for us so that, I, I don't know, I don't know how your industry is, but in our industry, it's not real until it's real. We all are cheerleaders to make something happen and we hope the stars align and that green light comes around and, and we're filming on day one. But anything can happen up until day one. You know, the, the actor is suddenly pregnant with twins and can't now leave the, you know, well, you and, just and never know. When you, you never do know. make that major announcement, yes. every media outlet in town picks up on it. It's in the Enquirer. It's on all the television stations. Of course, we're talking about it. So you're, I understand where if somebody backs out or if there's a delay in production, then you got to put that out there. And so you want to hold on to it, I'm sure, until it's a done right. deal. Let me ask you this question yeah. then. What can I so say? What, do you have any questions for me? What, do you what know? name could I throw out that you would just be like, sizzled by you know what what name or what kind of what could i bring to cincinnati that you think people would go nuts over a hollywood a-lister i'm guessing absolutely natalie is in this natalie jones who's our producer she does the night show on q102 she is in the studio okay so natalie's thinking like meryl streep or someone of that caliber or are we thinking someone like a brad pitt and Angel Jolie, Reese I, Witherspoon. I'm just saying. Are you dangling something out well, there, Kristen? I think, I think what I'm trying to say is there are some very um, exciting names coming to town that I think, like, I think we're going to check a couple boxes. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Natalie just said Channing Tatum off mic. Channing Tatum? Would I won't you, turn that I project told you, away. Would you confirm or deny? <laughs> no. See, you're not even going to tell me. Even if I hit it, you're not going to tell No, but, but I think we're on pace to have an incredibly busy year. March and April are quiet months for um, uh, Cincinnati. We just wrapped Extremely Wicked with Zac Efron and Jim Parsons and John Malkovich in Northern Kentucky. And that was the movie about the serial killer... Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy. Yes. And then wasn't there a horror movie that was filmed in Northern Kentucky? Yes. The horror films, you know, that that get the actors um, in shorter amounts of time. And I try and not... Those movies scare me. Yeah. I still get scared by these movies, but they do they do um, hire a lot of people and they've been great um, business for us in Northern Kentucky. So we're excited by that. And a lot of people don't realize uh, people think a horror movie is very inexpensive. But if you think of all the special effects and all of the, you know, whether it's the um, makeup or special effects, makeup or stunts and things like that, they, they, they spend quite a bit of money, actually. So mm. we're happy to have that business. Exciting things to come with Film Cincinnati. We call it Film Cincinnati, which is sort of the moniker we use for the Greater Cincinnati Northern Kentucky Film Commission. Can I say one more thing before I go? Please. <laughs> because I never, I never put this stuff out there, but last year was our 30th anniversary. And for our 30th anniversary, we 
took over several blocks and over the Rhine and created a backlot, a Hollywood backlot where guests could come and feel like they're on a movie set. And um, it was a way for us to celebrate 30 years of filmmaking in greater Cincinnati, but it was also a way for the community to get a behind the scenes look at what we do. And it was so successful. I mean, I had over 1200 people sign up. We sold out that we're going to do it again this fall. Another backlot 2.0 that won't be until the first weekend in October. But I would love to, as as those details start coming out, share that with you, because this party was so um, it was like on any other event I've been to in Cincinnati with such tremendous diversity and entertainment. And actually, uh, Chase Smith, who's uh, also known as Rhymefest, who won the Oscar for the song Glory and Selma um, with Common. He came in and performed because he's in the public last year. So he came back to perform that. But we always bring back some of the people that we've been working with to celebrate those parties with us so the community can get close to those people. And I think this year is going to be incredible. So I just want to put that out there. Um, save the date for Saturday in October. A Saturday in October. First Saturday oh, in October. First Saturday in October. Yeah, I forget the date off the top of my head. But. And if people want more information about that or to learn more about the Film Commission and how they can Yeah, friend uh, us on Facebook or, or go to our website at filmcincinnati.com because there's lots of ways to be involved. Kristen Schlotman, thanks for coming on Person of Interest. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And that'll do it for this edition of Person of Interest. Person of Interest is produced by Natalie Jones. So if you found Kristen as interesting as we did, please send us an email to POI, which stands for Person of Interest, POI at WKRQ.com. We always welcome your thoughts. Also, feel free to make a suggestion for a future Person of Interest. The plan is to keep producing more of these episodes as long as people like you continue to listen. So... Be sure to check back with us. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Until next time, for Person of Interest, I'm Jeff Thomas. Thanks for listening. These are the people behind the stories that matter to you. Thanks for listening to Q102's Person of Interest with Jeff Thomas.